Hey, this is Keith. I'm the pastor of Blaze Church. Welcome to our podcast. I know today's message is going to inspire you, encourage you, and lead you to know God more. If you want to connect with us, visit us online at blazechurch.org. Enjoy today's message. Before we get into our message this morning and continue worshiping God through the reading of his word, I want to highlight a next step that's happening next week that I'm really, really excited about. Um, And that's what's called New Here at Blaze Church. And so we, we have these New Here events and... Who do you think they're for? You want to take a guess? They're for you if you are new here. Look at that. Come on. That's awesome. We're, we're going to work on this together. So if you're new to Blaze Church, we want to connect with you, Pastor Amy and I. We want to spend some time with you, and we've got a text code for you that you can text right now, Blaze New to 97000, all one word, or you can write it down and text it later, and uh, it'll just respond with our form, our sign-up form for the event. But if you've been coming for a little bit or if you've you just started coming and you're saying, I want to know more about the vision, the mission, maybe the beliefs of the church, you know, what, what's the doctrine you might say or, you know, the leadership, the finances, all of that happens at New Here. And also there's God's greatest gift to humanity, pizza. And I love pizza. And so we're going to enjoy some pizza and hang out. And so that's for you if you're new. Now, space is limited. We actually have our new here at the church building down the road. So if you didn't even know if there was a church building, we've got one. We gather here because Blaze Church is so big, it doesn't fit there anymore. Someone give God praise for that. It's pretty cool. Yeah, so we have Sunday service here, but prayer service, new here, small groups, all of that's happening at the building. So go ahead, text it over, sign up. Space is limited. If you don't get into this one, we're going to have another one next month. You'll be fine. And uh, if you need uh, childcare, just put that in your registration form. We'll make sure that we've got that for you as well. Cool? Good? All right, let's go home. Where That's all I got for you. I'm just talking. Thank you. No one's going to laugh with me. You're like, oh, Pastor, I want some. I'm ready. Right, you're ready to learn. This is the 11 o'clock. They're serious. Okay, let's go. Rethinking the church. So climbing out of this season as a humanity, right? Going back to last spring and national shutdown, um, lots of mandates and, and a whole lot of really just separating, right? Just out of safety, out of concern, out of everything that we've, we've been doing. Now we're coming back together and I have the beautiful privilege and responsibility, according to Ephesians 4.11, Right? God gave gifts to the church, one of them is pastors, to equip people to do the work of God. I have that privilege and responsibility before the Lord. And during the summer, I was just praying about Blaze Church and about our culture and, and how we approach church coming together and, and now with you know, new methods and online family and all of this. And I really felt the Holy Spirit make alive a verse in the Psalms that I want, uh, I want it to be our our promise. I want it to be your declaration. I want it to be your truth. And this whole series, Rethinking the Church, is out of this. Because I think what's happened over the last 18 months is we view the church differently than we did prior to the season we've gone through as a people, like humanity. You know, church is kind of, it's more optional. It's more do I have to leave and gather together? Is it still relevant? I mean, this thing was started 2,000 years ago by Jesus. It, yeah. Does it still make a difference in my life today? Can I just do church? You may even say that, do church differently. And I want to show you this promise of the Psalms that I believe is the heartbeat uh, of those of you who would say, no, um, there's something about gathering together. There's something about what 
the people of God have done for 2,000 years and even prior to Jesus coming to this world, what the people of God have done. And so Psalms 92, this is our theme verse, verse 13, and we're going to say it together and it's personalized so that it becomes your truth. Because it's one thing to just say, you know, you will be planted, but I want you to own this. So if you want to own this, say this with me so loud that we distract Blaze kids on the other side of the wall. You ready to do that? Let's do that. Okay. I am planted in the house of the Lord. I flourish in the courts of my God. Come on. How many of you want that to be the truth of your life this morning? Like for you to say, I'm planted in God's house. And if you want to know more about that means, listen to last week's message. It's on our website. But we talked about gathering together this, exactly what you're doing this morning. Gathering together on location, the people of God coming together as the church, a people assembled to be the church. Those who are saved and are worshiping Jesus and those maybe today you don't know Jesus and you're seeing worship and, and the love of God on display. We want to be planted in his house so that we might flourish. I want to flourish in my life. I don't want just a mundane working for the weekend. You know, I've got incredible friends at the gym and every time I ask them how they are, they say, new day, same stuff. They're just a little rough. They don't use the word stuff. It's, it's awesome. Like we're just working together, right? Just, just kind of working through this. No, I want the abundant life that Jesus has for me. Like I want to be blessed and highly caffeinated in the name of Jesus. Like I just want to experience everything he's got for my life. And that is found when we're planted in his house, when it's a priority of ours to be the church. So last week we talked about gathering together, exactly this. But we also read a verse last week that I want to come back to this week. I know what you're thinking. Pastor Keith, you're just going to recycle the message? You do not have time? I had time. We're going to build on last week, this week. So Genesis chapter 2, God said this. The Lord God said, it is, say these two words, not good for the man, what? To be alone. God creates a perfect paradise. He creates the world and looks out and says, that's good, that's good, that's good. And then he gets to the isolated man and says, that's not good. It is not good for him. He's going to hurt himself. <laughs> he needs a woman. He, he, right? It's more than that. God's declaring it's not good for isolation. You were created for community. Things in isolation don't thrive. They survive until they die. You know that's true as we've walked through a lot of isolated moments throughout this season as a people, right? Isolation. It's just, well, I'm not thriving when I'm disconnected from others. So God says it's not good for you to be alone. Now, you've gathered together today, all of us here, and physically, None of us in this space are alone. Okay, if you don't believe me, everyone look to your left and look to your right real quick. Oh, there's people here. That's awesome, right? You're not alone. Okay, you can come in on a Sunday, sit down, worship, receive God's word, celebrate, and walk right out that door and still feel alone right here. You can still come in every single Sunday and physically not be alone because you're around others, but nobody here would ever need to know about the pain that you have in your life or the mistakes of yesterday or the worries about tomorrow or the successes and the laughter of this past week and the good moments. Nobody here would ever know about that. You could still remain anonymous by just gathering together as the church every single Sunday. 
And so I want to talk to you about that not being enough in our lives because it is not good for you to be alone. So it's, as a people, we know this because that's why some of the greatest TV shows of all time always center around a collective group of people who really know what's going on in each other's lives. Friends. We're <laughs> Friends fans. Seinfeld. Okay. Cheers. A place where everybody knows your name and they're always glad that you came. That's the environment that I want to talk to you about today. Because this space on Sundays has its purpose, and its purpose is for us to know God more as a collective. But as you read that sign in the back and saw on the video, Our Vision, we believe that God's plan for you is to know him and then find freedom. And you're going to find freedom not by sitting in rows facing this way. You're going to find freedom in an environment where people actually know your name. They know your pains. They know your problems. They know your joys. They know you personally, and they're developing a friendship with you. So I want to walk you through the answers to three questions today. You've got paper and pen on your seats. You can either take notes there, or you can take notes on your phone. But there's three questions that I want to walk you through today, and it's this. One, what is a gospel friendship? And I'm going to define what that means. What is a gospel friendship? We're going to look at that definition as opposed to a good friendship. And then I want to discover why a gospel friendship matters, why you need a gospel friend in your life. And third, how you can have that. So what is it, gospel friendship, why does it matter, and how can I have that. And to discover these answers, we're going to look at a moment where a group of friends have an encounter with Jesus together. So we're going to read from Mark in just a moment. But before we turn there, if you're new to church, the, the Bible is a collection of 66 books. It is broken up into two big parts, the Old Testament and the New Testament. And the New Testament really focuses on the coming of Jesus to this world, his life, his death, his resurrection, and him starting what's called the church the assembly of the people who love him and know him. And we're going to read from the second book in the New Testament, the book of Mark, which was written by, who wants to guess? Mark. No, it was actually written by James. No, I'm just joking. It was written by Mark. All right, stay with me. Good, good stuff. Yeah, it was written by Mark, right? It's so easy. That's awesome. So it's written by Mark, and he writes for us details of Jesus's life. And so we are going to read about one of these details. Mark chapter two, starting in verse one. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home and they gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. I want to pause for a moment because I'm telling you, for me, as I think of Blaze Church and I think of the vision God's given us as a church to reach the east end of Long Island with the gospel, to be trailblazers, I believe that there are way more people than this building has space for. Do you believe that? Like, I believe that as Jesus is preached and as Jesus is lifted up, more people are drawn to him, so much so that one day we're going to have people coming on boat to Blaze Church. Why not? We got the dock out there. I was like, how'd you get here today? By boat, taxi, car? You, you did a helicopter? Good for you. Like, Come on, like that's a big vision because there's a whole lot of people on the east side of Long Island that need to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. And I'm just telling you, I see here that when Jesus is preached and lifted up, he promised, I will draw all men to myself. And we're a church that's saying, man, we want people to know God. And so Jesus has this moment. So get the visual. There's so many people, they can't even get in the door. 
So it says in the next verse that some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. So here we've got now this individual paralyzed, laid up, cannot walk, and he's got a small group of friends that are carrying him. Let's say it this way. He's got four friends. Say that with me. Four friends. He's got four friends. Right? They're, just, they're carrying this guy. They're bringing him to the place where Jesus is. Now, we don't know how long the man's been paralyzed. We don't know what caused his paralysis. We don't know how long his friendships have been building. But what we're going to discover next is these friends are not just good friends, they're gospel friends. And I want you to understand the difference today, the difference between good friendships and gospel friendships. So the next verse says, here's what they did. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. Do you know what we call this? Savage. <laughs> if you want to know the definition of savage, that's it. Hey, bro, we can't get you to Jesus, but don't worry. We are going to rip through this guy's roof. And I just, like, what was the homeowner doing in that moment? He's got to be on his phone with Geico already. He's, listen, does my policy cover this? I've got strangers ripping through my roof. Like, like what? look at all that's happening here. These guys are tenacious, right? They've got this attitude of friendship. How many of you want some savage friends in your life that are like, I'll rip the roof down for you, bro. I've got, I've got you. I'm, I'm bringing you to Jesus. So there's three qualities that I want to show you that you can find in any good friendship. You don't need gospel friends for these qualities. And here's what they are. The first one is investment. Some of you, you have incredibly invested friends in your lives. They love you. They check in on you. Um, they may tear a roof open for you if they have to. Like, they're just good friends. And um, these guys, they were invested. You think in that moment, they get to the house with their paralyzed friend. They see the crowds and they realize, like, I only, I only marked an hour for this. This is going to take a little longer. But they're invested. How many of you love it when your friends are saying, I'm not looking at the clock. I'm looking at you right now. I'm going to walk with you through this. It's going to take some time, but I'm with you. Invested. The second quality we see is courage because it takes a whole lot of courage to rip through a stranger's roof. It's like, we don't care about the consequences. We will ask for forgiveness, not permission. Let's go at this thing right now. They're courageous. It's, it's important to have some courageous friends. And then the third one is unity. These guys are united. Do you imagine if they get up on the roof, they got the hole open and they each got a rope and they're lowering him. One of them just like, just drops the rope. It's like, Sorry, my phone went off. I wanted to see who it was, right? <laughs> Bro, right now we need a, a resurrection and paralysis. Like, poor Bob, right? There's unity there. They're moving in the same direction. So investment, courage, and unity. You can find that. You can get some good friends that'll give you that. It's awesome. Here's what a gospel friend does. You're gonna wanna write this one down. A gospel friend is committed to bringing you closer to Jesus, that's the difference. These guys were not just invested and courageous and united so that they could get into the concert, so that they could have a good time together, so that they could go see the movie. It wasn't, it wasn't that. They were gospel friends because they realized the thing that you need is to get closer to Jesus. And we are gospel friends in your life because we are all about you getting closer to Jesus. I want people in my life 
that are going to carry me closer to Jesus. It's important for us to have good friendships. It's important for you to have friendships with people who don't know God. Because how are you supposed to be a light to people if, if you're not around people who don't know God? You need those friends. You also need gospel friends. You need people who are, their focus is to get you closer to Jesus. And thankfully, this man had that. He had some friends that said, we're going to stop at nothing to getting you to Jesus. And so they lower him through the roof. And it says in verse five, when Jesus saw, whose faith? Their faith. I want you to hold on to that. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are are forgiven. Okay. You and I should be as confused as the paralyzed man probably was when Jesus said that. (laughs) Like, um, Jesus, that's nice. Thank you for, thank you for that. My sins are forgiven. Thank you, Father. Awesome. I can't walk, bro. Like, I just got lowered through a roof because I'm paralyzed like, I think you know why I'm here today. So let's try it. Let's mark, blot that out. Let's try it again. Like, then Jesus saw their faith and said, son, get up and walk like you're healed. Like, come on. That's what the friends had to be thinking. That was the purpose of them getting their paralyzed friend to Jesus. So what is Jesus teaching them and us in this moment when the first words from his mouth is, your son, your son, uh, your, wow, I can't speak. Son, your sins are forgiven. What's Jesus teaching us there? First of all, notice how he addresses him, son, a relational term. He sees that he's a paralyzed man, but he doesn't identify him by his disability. He's already identifying him as a part of the family of God. Son, your sins are forgiven. What Jesus is telling this man and us is that the primary need that you and I have is not physical, but rather it's spiritual. It's our soul's need for forgiveness. And Jesus says, I'm going to start with the primary need in your life. I see your faith, your sins are forgiven. Even if the man went home paralyzed that day, he goes home healed in his soul because now he is a son of God. You've got to get that this morning. The primary reason Jesus came, he'd said, is to seek and save the lost, those who are apart from the Father. And so Jesus looks at their faith and says to the man, your sins are forgiven. I want to talk about their faith. Because maybe like me, you have days where you wake up and your faith is shaken. And your faith is struggling. And you look at everything that's going around inside of you and outside of you, and you're saying, I don't know that I believe in God. I don't know that I'm wanted by God. I don't know how I'm going to make it through this day. Okay, that's why you and I need gospel friendships. So we know what a gospel friend is. It's someone who will carry us closer to Jesus. This man has those friendships, and Jesus sees their faith collective. And here's why you need gospel friendships. It's because you are going to have days where someone is going to have to carry you to Jesus. It's all right to say amen there. You're going to have those days where you're going to say, I need somebody to carry me closer to Jesus. I just got a phone call. I just got news. I didn't expect this. I'm struggling. I'm overwhelmed. I'm filled with fear. 
you're going to have those days where you need someone to carry you to Jesus. And that's why you need a gospel friend in your life. Now, if you hear that and you say, dude, my faith is so strong. I never have those days. I wake up and waiting for me is a dark roast in the Holy Spirit. And he's just there and we're talking all day long. And even when there's traffic, I'm like, I'll praise you in the storm. And it's just awesome. Okay, so if that's you, first of all, you have a lying problem. You're lying, okay? Uh, we'll fix that later. Second, if you truly believe that about you, that like you just don't need anybody. It's you and Jesus, you got this. Okay, here's why you need gospel friendships. Because you are called to carry others to Jesus. So you might have those days where you're like, I really am. And I have those days where my walk with him, I mean, it's, it's just awesome. It is, it's on point and his presence is with me and I get bad news and I respond with the joy of the Lord's my strength. And, and that's great. Those are the moments where you get to carry someone else to Jesus with your faith where you get to say, you're not walking through this alone. And that's not, not my opinion, that's scripture. Galatians 6.2 says, carry each other's burdens. That, that, just a, you carry, that's a command. Carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. You wanna know how to fulfill Christ's law, which is to love one another. You gotta get close enough to somebody to actually carry them to Jesus. And on Sundays, we do not get close enough to each other to know the burdens one another is carrying so that we might carry them to Jesus. We're going to come in here. We're going to gather. We're going to sing, read, celebrate, worship. But we're not going to have the moment here on a Sunday where you can share with someone, this is what I'm going through. And someone can say, you are not going through that alone. We're in a small group. I'm your friend. I'm going to carry you closer to Jesus. Or you can share with someone, I need you to carry me in this season. And this man's got those friends. And you and I, there's something in us that longs for those friendships, isn't there? There's something, we were created for it. So I want to just point out something really cool about this text, and then we're going to come back to our friendship. And it's this, only Jesus can forgive sins. Only him. And if you hear that, and there's something in you that like gets a little tense, and you push against that and you say, no, I mean, come on, that sounds so closed-minded. Oh, this is one of those churches where you preach like Jesus is the only way. There's no other way to heaven. It's only him. Like, come on, that kind of wrestles in us because that's not culture's narrative. Culture's narrative is, no, there's many ways to God or you can be a good person or you can be religious. Only Jesus can forgive sins. And I want to show you that in this text because there were people who heard that statement that he said, your sins are forgiven, and they pushed against it. And here's what they said. Some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves. So they're only thinking it. Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And when they say he's blaspheming, what that word means is he's claiming to be God. And these leaders know you can't do that. There is one God. In fact, they're right when they say only God can forgive sins because they did not attribute Jesus to being God. So by saying your sins are forgiven, what Jesus is saying is I am God. You've got to come through me for forgiveness. And they're wrestling with this. I love the next verse. Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? 
which is easier to say to this paralyzed man? Your sins are forgiven or to say, get up, take up your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Okay, pause for a moment. And this is going to be really hard for you to stay focused because at this point, who's smelling pancakes? Because I know I am. It's happening. Everyone take a deep breath in. Just take in the pancake and now let it go and stay with me for 10 more minutes, all right? And then we'll talk about pancakes. Jesus asks the question, which is harder? To say, your sins are forgiven or pick up your mat and walk. And on the surface, the harder is pick up your mat and walk. Here's why. Jesus can simply say your sins are forgiven and there's no external proof that anything is taking place. Does that make sense? Like, so what? He said your sins are forgiven. There's nothing for us to know that that happened. But if he says take up your mat and walk, then we need to see physical proof of that command. So the leaders are are thinking in their heads, okay, yeah, I mean, it's harder for him to say take up your mat and walk because we would have to actually see it. But Jesus pivots and says, I want you to know that I actually have the authority to forgive sins. What gives him the authority to forgive sins if only God can forgive sins? Jesus would pick up the cross, get on it, take that man's sins from him and have them nailed to that tree. In light of that, the harder statement is for Jesus to say your sins are forgiven because our forgiveness only comes by way of him paying the price for our sins. He died on the cross. He was forsaken by the Father. He was separated from the Father. All of that is way harder for the Son of God to experience than for him to say, take up your mat and walk. He is demonstrating I alone have the authority to forgive sins because I alone will step in the way for this man. And he stepped in the way for you as well. And so in light of that truth, knowing that Jesus has the power and authority over the sin in our life, can you celebrate knowing that if Jesus could save us, rescue us from our sin, then don't we believe this morning that he has the power and authority over physical harm, over physical disease, over relational dysfunction, over brokenness in our families? Jesus has that. Because he's already got the authority over sin. So how much easier is it for him to look at this guy and say, fine, take up your mat and walk. In fact, that's what he says. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. And now the man is faced with a moment where he will either believe in the words of Jesus or he will not. His friends got him there. Their faith carried them to Jesus, but now there's a moment of personal response to what Jesus is saying. We need gospel friendships in our lives. I need people to bring me closer to Jesus. At the same time, I need a personal relationship with him that says, I believe in what you're saying. So what's he gonna do? Well, the text says he got up, took his mat, and I believe he moonwalked out (laughs) in full view of them all. And he did the two-step down the aisle and he got really close to the teachers of the law and said, you see this? Like in all view, in view of them all, they all saw it. And what happened? Everyone there was amazed and they praised God saying, we've never seen anything like this. This man's life became a testimony to the people in that house because he had a group of gospel friends that brought him close to Jesus, 
on a day where he couldn't carry himself there and he responds to the command of Jesus with faith and picks up his mat and walks. You and I need a personal response to the invitation of Jesus. It's essential. You need that. Don't downplay the need for a group of friends who are going to bring you closer to Jesus so that you might respond to him. You know, this is kind of discouraging to me, but I'm going to share it anyway. I want you to think through the last five sermons that I preached. And if anyone here can remember the topics of the last five sermons, I will give you a billion dollars because I can't even do that. No, you can't check your notes. That's cheating. Hey, what does that have to do with anything? I want everyone here to think of five friends in their life who have made such a difference that your faith in Jesus is what it is today because of those five people. I love sermons. We need sermons. We need, as we saw last week, the, the reading of God's word, the encouraging of our hearts through scripture. And we need people in our lives who will bring us closer to Jesus because finding freedom happens in the context of relationships with others. And so we're discovering priorities that we have as a church. And the first priority we learned last week is we will be a church that will gather together. That's, that's a priority of ours. I love how Blaze Church navigated this season since last March. You know, we went online for a season, then we did drive-in church. How many were here for drive-in church? That was awesome. We replaced amens with horn honks. It was the most disruptive of things. I loved it. We were just honking in the middle of a field, having a good time. Then we came back together, and, and we, were, we were kind of socially observing what we needed to. And then we realized, oh, our building's not going to work for this anymore but we've always been a church that's committed to gather together because it matters. We will gather together. But here's another priority that we have. We will be a church that will carry one another. It's our second priority. We're gonna discover all four this month. We're a church that will gather together so that we might know God through weekend services. Now we're hearing we are a church that will carry one another so that we might find freedom through small groups. Our small groups environment is the place where you will be carried and where you will carry one another. Sundays has its purpose. We've gathered here this morning to know God more and to worship him corporately. But you need to be in an environment where somebody's gonna know your pain, your problems, your heartache, your wins, your successes, your joys, your dreams, all of that. And they're gonna say, I'm gonna carry you closer to Jesus, and you're going to carry me closer to him. And it happens in small groups. So every person in this space, I want us to play along together, 100% participation. Everyone has one of these cards on their chair, in their hand, or under their chair. So grab it and then raise it up in the air. Every person here, don't worry, we're not going to take your money. You put on deodorant this morning, so bravo. That's great that you did that. Okay, and our welcome team's looking. If you don't have a card, they will walk around. It looks like everybody's got a card. Awesome. Go ahead, put it down. This card highlights the 10 small groups that are launching next week through Blaze Church. And I'm so excited because as we were praying towards this semester, we were believing for 10 groups so that every person in our church would have opportunity to be connected. And praise God, we've got 10 groups launching next week. So excited about it. And so what you're going to do, not yet. Some of you are already, you're checking off ones. You're like, I think I can do all five because they're all on different nights. So I'm going to be out. Don't do that, okay? You pick a group you're going to be a part of for these weeks. Um, but before you start to pick a group, I didn't want you to just hear my voice and scripture on this. We actually asked our previous small group leaders to share why they believe in small groups, why they were group leaders. 
And so we prepared a video for you. And what's so exciting about this is every single one of these leaders who have led a group before are all leading again because they're just like, my heart is for small groups. How can I not continue to make a difference in people's lives? So take a look at the screen. We're going to lower the lights and then I'm going to come back up and give you some instructions and next steps on what you can do with that card. Everyone, my name is Devin. This is my wife, Ashley. My name is Scott Silverberg, and I just recently led a group. Hi, my name is Dave. I've been doing a small group for two semesters now. Hi, I'm Sue Alford, and I led a home group where we studied scripture. My name is Angela. I'm one of the group leaders here at Blaze Church. Hey guys, Josh and Amanda here. Over summer, we got to lead a small group on sharing faith with others. Hey guys, Peter Potlis, small group leader. The one thing that I love about small groups is that you get together once a week and talk about God. What I really liked about the group was just getting together with a bunch of my brothers and sisters, discussing scripture, uh, getting to know them also. This past season, we had the opportunity to lead a campfire group on the character of God. Yeah, I think our favorite part was just taking a night to slow down and create a night where people can connect. Just finished Walk by Faith, where we got together every Wednesday. What I really love about it is really getting to meet the guys and growing with each other and challenge each other in our walks with Christ. And what I loved about it is being with other believers and questioners. To, to learn more what God has to say into our lives. I loved the time of just hanging out, experiencing genuine community with each other, and seeing new friendships come out of our group. It's just, it's just really awesome experience. I'm glad I challenged myself to take on. It's wonderful when you can sit or walk with a group of like-minded people to encourage each other. It was a fabulous time. I encourage everybody to get involved with small groups and, and grow in the Lord. Join a group, but you might be the person in that room that is encouraging the rest of the room. If you guys value relationships and value community and getting together with, with other believers and non-believers, I highly recommend joining a group this season. So this fall, I'd say look, pray, and join. And I mean, I think to me, that is the most coolest thing that we can do. And if you told people at work, hey, that's what you're doing, they probably think you're a whack job. But you want to know what? Then I guess I'm a whack job. So why don't you be one too? Come on, let's give it up. Who's excited to be a whack job and join a small group, man? I'm just, I was so pumped when I saw that. And Peter has such a heart for for small groups. So here's what we're going to do, all right, as a church, because I love that we gather together, and that is important. This does not replace that. We're building every week about what it means to be the church. You've got to be connected to other people in a small group environment where you can grow. And so today is Join a Group Sunday, and I'm excited about it. And so you've got a card there, and I want to walk you through just a couple of the groups and share with you what I'm praying your next step is going to be. So the groups are separated by night. So the first two are on Monday and then, you know, Black Ink Tuesday kind of goes through. We've got groups all over the place. We've got a lot of groups meeting at Blaze Church, which I'm excited about using the church uh, so that we can gather together there. And I want to highlight a couple of them. One, we have a youth group starting the end of this month. So excited. And uh, Devin, go ahead and stand up real quick, Dev. I know Ashley's over in Blaze Kids. So Devin and Ashley are going to be our youth group, small group leaders. Awesome. Thank you. Um, and so that's Wednesday nights. You can check that off over at Blaze Church Building. 
We've also got a 10 a.m. Monday Zoom. So maybe you're home, Monday's your day off, and you like, I want to just connect on Zoom with somebody. You can do that. Um, Tuesday nights, I'm leading a group at the church, and there's childcare available. So how cool is that? So if you've got kids and you're saying, you know, how do I, how do I have someone with my kids? We've got a group that has childcare, and more than that, my group is all centered on fall desserts. And so we are going to eat an ungodly amount of pumpkin scones and apple pie and repent over it for 12 weeks. And so I'm excited for that. Uh, But we've got marriage group happening on Thursday, women's group on Thursday, men's group on Wednesday. Uh, they're, They're all over the place. We did this in a way where we know every single person in Blaze Church can be connected to other people. And it starts next week. So this is not a card for you to take home with you and think about what group to join This is a card for you today to check off and say, I'm going to join this small group and you're going to get more information about it this week. And we're celebrating small groups with carbs and sugar and butter and pancakes. And so I'm super excited. Dave's on the other side over there and making some pancakes. And so when you fill this out, don't head out the door, head to the right. And there's a basket there for you to drop your card in and grab a plate of pancakes. Now, if you take pancakes without putting a card in, that's called stealing. And the Lord sees you. And I'm going to be angry with you. I'm not. Okay. So, um, but I am inside. Join a group. Join a group or eat some pancakes. We really do want everybody to eat some pancakes, um, uh, but we do want everybody to join a group as well. And if you're like, hey, I'm on keto thing, I'm praying for your soul during this season, um, go to the door and drop this in a, in a bucket over there that are giving boxes. So there's, there's multiple ways you can either enjoy or avoid pancakes, whatever you're up to nowadays. Personally, I'm about to have 20 after this service, so that's where I'll be. Um, but... <laughs> Guys, hear, hear our heart at Blaze Church. Come on, you've got, you've got to make a decision. And I'm praying against an attitude that is, I don't have time in my schedule for this. Because the reality is, if this is a priority in our lives and it's a scriptural invitation, this isn't another thing to put on the calendar. This isn't a have to, this is a get to. This is, I'm so glad small group semester is back. I get to connect with other people. Like, I'm going to grow in Jesus so much more now that I've got gospel friends that are going to walk with me over these next few weeks as I grow closer to Jesus. And so we are going to be a church that says we put the priority on carry one another. We've got small group leaders in the back. They'd love to meet you after service as well. You can ask them a few more questions. But I want to pray a prayer of blessing over every person in this space right now. So worship team's going to join me. And I want you to just stay seated as I pray over you and you hold that card in your hand. And I want to pray that today you're discovering, man, I, I love gathering together and I want to love being carried by one another. And maybe you're new to Blaze. Maybe this is your first day here and you're saying, can I be a part of this? I mean, I, I don't even come. Yes, absolutely. In fact, we got people who don't even, they're not even connected to Blaze Sundays, but they're connected to Blaze small groups. And that's what we love. And so this is open for people. And you guys are getting the first shot at it because our small groups do have a cap limit on their attendance. So by gathering together, you kind of, you, you kind of beat the online crowd. And, and this week, we're going to make it available online. But you can only sign up for a small group today in person with that card. And then we're going to go through it and add everybody. And then we'll get our online registrations open with whatever spots are left. So um, just don't, don't hesitate on this. Be a part of it. Can I pray for you now? Father, I thank you for every person in this space. I thank you that our hearts are being softened this morning. 
Lord, I thank you that while the enemy wants to keep us separate and wants us to believe that lie that there isn't value in gathering together and in sharing what's going on in our lives, we know that you've said it's not good for us to be alone. And so this morning, I pray for an attitude and a heart that says, I can't wait for small groups to start next week. Holy Spirit, we know that life change happens in these environments. We know that next steps are taken there as small groups. We know that we are going to find freedom. And so I thank you that every person in this space is going to choose a group, going to walk out saying, man, I'm a little nervous, but I'm way more excited. I can't wait to gather with some other people who are going to carry me closer to Jesus, who I'm going to have the opportunity to carry. And so, Father, we respond today with this action. We take this next step. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church, let's stand up.